So repentance towards God is something that usually is not a big issue for us to, to deal with. But the thing about it is repentance is more than just feeling sorry. You see, with repentance, it, there's a depth to it. There's a, a depth that takes us to a place of not only feeling sorry for things that we have done, things that we have uh, uh, said, things that we have thought, but actually this goes deep within us and we recognise that there's, I don't know, a holy unrighteousness. There's something in here that only God can actually deal with. And that's what I want to deal with. I recognise there's a distance between me and God. I recognise there's stuff in here in my life that needs to change. And it can only change when the Holy Spirit brings about conviction and I am willing to allow that that's in me to come out and find myself in a place of cleansing. You see, what happens is that on our journey uh, of awareness with God, we recognise that, that there's something we need to do. I want to do something. I want to sort things out. That's, that's my attitude. I, I, I want to sort it. There's the Holy Spirit awareness that there's something in me that needs to change. I'll tell you a story. I was at uh, secondary school in Andover, and I can remember, I can remember um, being in a classroom, and in this classroom... Uh, Ian, who was, um, he had trumpet lessons, I think. I don't want to hold that against him, but he had trumpet <laughs> lessons. And um, the thing about it is, another friend of mine said he's seen Ian's trumpet lesson money. And I thought, so? He said, we could take it. And I thought to myself, do you know what? We could. We could take it. So we did. So me and this other guy took Ian's ten quid. Now here's the story. We decided, what can you do with ten quid? There's two of us. We need two fivers. So we had to decide what we're going to do. So we, foolishly, in our early teens, decided that we would go to the garage outside Wigan School. It's now been knocked down because that was a place of sin for me. So I'm glad that that garage is no longer there. But we went to the garage and we bought something, I don't know, penny chew or something, I don't know, so that we could get changed, that we could divide out this £10 note. And that's what we did. We, we divided it up and then I had a fiver and I think the other guy had £4.96 or something. And we've now got this money. And then we're in the classroom later on and there's this whole thing about Ian's lost his trumpet money. And I had it. And then there was that moment later on in the day when the house head came to our classroom and said he would like to see those people who took Ian's money. He has just spoken to the cashier at the garage across the road. <laughs> I'm sat there in the class and I'm thinking, oh my goodness I, how am I going to get out of this how I, have you ever done something and then you really wish you hadn't done it or was it just me does that <laughs> have you ever done and, and I can remember sitting now here I go I'm, to, I'm going back now best part of, of you know 38 years I can remember I can remember that feeling 
do anything to get out of this. And it's that feeling that comes upon us when Holy Spirit brings about a conviction that there's stuff that we need to deal with to get clean before God. We know that Jesus on the cross has paid the price for all of our sin, but I need to appropriate my stuff with that. And that comes, first of all, by that that acknowledgement that there's something in here that needs to change. I'll do anything to sort it out. That's the way it is for me. I I would do anything. It's like the, the, the son in Luke 15. I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, I've sinned against heaven and against you. There's a recognition. Not only is my action a sin against the individual that I have sinned against, but it's also an action towards God because it affects God. Our righteous God, seeing us made in his image, acting in a way that is the opposite to his very best. We sin against God as well as the person who we've acted in some way against. We've sinned against heaven, others and ourselves. So there comes a point in time where we have to do something. We have to make a change. We have to turn around. And that's what we call repentance. We're going to do something about this recognition that I'm not clean. I am distanced from God, but I want to draw near. The three ways that uh, I want to look at this 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 morning is that we can look at at our thoughts, our words, and our actions. That's how we're going to unpack it. So first of all, I want to just talk about our our thoughts. We are convicted of our past sins. Repentance means to, to change our minds. There's something that needs to change in our mind. We're going to think again. We're going to do something differently. My desire is that my thoughts will be God's thoughts. His thoughts will be my thoughts. The Bible tells us in Paul's letter to the Romans that the important part of our journey is to recognise that God wants to renew our mind. I, I, I want to know what God's good, pleasing and perfect will is. Well, that comes from me having a renewed mind. I want to become more deeply aware of God and his passions rather than forever thinking about my own thoughts, desires, things that make me tick. Jesus' view of human nature was very clear. There's no pulling the wool over his eyes. He says straight away that, you know, if you then, though you are evil, now have a good gift. If you then... He's talking to us. He says, if you then, who are evil? Okay, this is the base of our current position. We're not in a good place. And we're reminded in the book of John that Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. When he talks about he knows all men, that doesn't, it's not a good thing that he knows. He recognises that we, we fall short. So we have this understanding that comes through that the way that we think is opposite and opposed to the way that God understands us. He knows where we're at. We're not pulling the wool over his eyes. The scripture from Romans, again, just to reiterate here, is we are all in good company because all of us have sinned and 
falls short of the glory of God. The reality is that I don't think I've ever met anybody in, in, in conversation who is seeking after God, who when I come to the point of saying, you, you recognise that you've sinned, that you recognise that you've not pleased God in, in your life, they, they would say, yeah, I, I know that. That is a, a, a revelation that we all carry with us. We all have sinned. Once that revelation has come home, then our thought life starts to change. I know where I'm at with God. I, I know the things that I have done, and I need to do something about it. And the moment that we start to realise that there's something we need to do about it, is that move towards full repentance and a cleansing starts to happen. I'm distanced from God. You see, one of the things that i found is this is an amazing journey. We can go through the four steps that I'm going to talk about and unpack over the next four weeks, but we could, that can happen in a moment when we uh, are first coming into a relationship with Christ, but also that can happen over quite an extended period of time. Scripture picks up quite clearly that, that believing in baptism go together. It's, it's almost instantaneous. But, of course, we're 2,000 years along the line. And then what we don't have is we don't have settlement living. We don't have people gathering around rivers um, for the necessities of water. And we now have taps and baths and baptistries. And then it becomes part of the church's operation to bring people to a place of, of, of baptism, which means it's got to fit into the diary, because then we've got to sort out this thing getting filled up, and I hope that happens. I, I believe that will happen for the 29th, and I'm just <coughs> trusting in that. And I know that somebody's heard that it's going to happen, so it will happen. But, it, so it, but once upon a time, once upon a time, way back, it was boom, swiftly. You, you believe and you, you, you're baptised. So the distances can vary on these four steps. But they all start with this one thing, this recognition in our minds that we are distanced from God. We're separated from Him. And we need that to change. This is what Jesus is called to do. We're reminded in Matthew 1 that Mary will give birth to a son you give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This is what Jesus does. He saves us from our sins. There is the universal, the fact that we are children of Adam. Therefore, we have been clothed with uh, sin from the very beginning, original sin. But there's also that recognition as well that I have personal sins. Jesus, when he comes, he covers uh, that universal understanding of original sin, that we are the sons and daughters of Adam, but we're also being covered by the fact that his death on the cross saves us from our personal sins too. It's vital to know that we need to be saved and Jesus is here as our saviour. So our repentance starts in our thought life. We need to think through and understand that there is past sin in our lives that is holding us back. The next part of the journey is this, is 
the confession, our confession of sin. <laughs> Thinking differently leads to speaking differently. So there comes a point when I know this information, what am I going to do with it? I need to, uh, I mean this is the, the words, isn't it? By your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. But speaking out is so important. And this is sometimes a place where people get stuck with the whole journey of repentance. Oh, you mean I've got to speak it out? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you do. James reminds us this, that with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. But out of the mouth, there's a, there's a need for confession, speaking forth that which we know in our heads. Confessing their sins, this is in Matthew 3, this is before they were baptised by John the baptizer. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the river Jordan. There's a part of our journey where we need to speak out. And I, I know, people have an issue with this, the whole thing of speaking out. I, I don't know if I should, should speak out. What, what would you think of me if you knew what I was really like? I know what you're already like. You see, because just keeping this stuff inside us means that somehow stuff's going to grow out that you probably don't realise is totally connected with that stuff that you're trying to hide. Do you know what? I, I've met some really grumpy people. I don't know if you've ever met grumpy people. But I, I've met some really grumpy people. Um, <coughs> The only thing about it is, is there's a root to that stuff. You know, you can say, I'll oh, put yourself together, or today will be better, or whatever. But you know, if you don't get into that root place, if you don't start dealing with what is the root of that response, that response will always be there. We'll have good days, but then every now and then, we'll, something will tick you off, and then you're going to be grumpy. And that's just being nice. Because some people take it to a new level, <coughs> not just grumpiness. And very often it's because, well here's a scripture, I, I find this one quite interesting. It talks in the book of Ephesians that don't put off falsehood, speak truthfully to neighbour, uh, we're all members of one body. This is the thing, you see, we can be honest with one another because we're part of one family, you know. And as we journey together, you'll get to know a bit more about my dirty washing. Okay, because I'm in a place where you're going to see me and hear me. But, you know, I hope that some of that might just, just give you a, a bit of a release that you can say, well, do you know what? I'm in that same place too, Dave, and I need to do what you've done. And in family, we don't go away and say, you'll never get it. Do you know what? Matt Wise came and spoke to me this week. Wednesday <laughs> evening. Confession time. Do you know what? Hour and a half it took. Hour and a half. And we've got appointments booked for the next six months. So much stuff. Let me start with one of the things. That doesn't happen. Because in the family of God, my desire is that you would grow and you would mature and to be more Christ-like. And the best way that that can be is that you know and trust that I'm there for your best interest and I'm encouraging you. Here's what, did I speak about this or was it something I thought? Let me just Accountability. Have you, have you ever heard that word, accountability? Yeah. yeah. Once upon a time, 
there was a, a, a model of church leadership that was called heavy shepherding. Do you remember this? You ever heard this? Heavy shepherding. You couldn't do anything, go anywhere, say anything, unless somebody was, you know, overseeing and directing you. Okay? And it got a bad name. It got a bad name. I am heavily into heavy shepherding. Let me tell you why. Here's the reason. Because I believe, we just twist this one around. I believe accountability is wholly and solely about one person's desire to see another person reach their fullness of their destiny in Christ. Let me say that again. I believe that accountability is about one person in a relationship with another person whose sole purpose and focus and desire is to see that person reach their fullness in their destiny in Christ. So it's not about... I want to catch you out doing stuff wrong. What I want to do is I want to encourage you on your journey. And if there are things around that are going to discourage you, are going to trip you up, are going to in any way derail your journey to being all that Christ has called you to be. I I want to be the first person. I want to be your bodyguard. I want to be your defence. I'm going to be there with the black shades on and, and the gun in my back pocket, deflecting anyone who comes along who's going to derail you and stop you becoming all you are in Christ. That's the accountability picture that I love. I I don't want to be snooping around. I don't want to know all your secrets, in that sense, just to know facts and figures, to use them against you. That's not what accountability is about. Accountability is to have such a love for another individual that your passion and your desire is to see them reach their fullness in Christ. I want to be on guard for people. And you see, what this scripture talks about is within the context of family, we can be honest. We can be real. We can say we've got it wrong. I don't know whether you want to do that up front. Sometimes public confession is good, but sometimes just one-to-one confession is great and helpful. And this is what it does. It does not allow the devil to have a foothold. You know, every step that you take forward in your desire to walk out in your closeness with Christ, the enemy is on your back. Scripture talks about him being uh, around like a, roaring like a lion. He's prowling. He's out to see who he can devour. So in confession, repentance, what we do is we get rid of the junk. Our rabbit, Billy, died. I need more sadness than that. (laughs) We're going back a few years, because my heart's now healed. Our rabbit, Billy, died. And I dug a hole in the back of the garden, right in the back of the garden. And I thought it was a deep enough hole to bury Billy. So I dug this hole, and I buried Billy. And I buried him as deep as I... And it was quite a deep hole. And I put the dirt in on top and everything, and, and we had a little moment, well, just me and Billy. Well, he wasn't there, because he, yeah, no, anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> and we had this time. The only thing about it is that a few days later, I'm looking out the back, patio doors, at the end of the garden, and I'm seeing dirt. And I go down to the back, do you know what happened? Foxes. Foxes. You see... Dead stuff stinks. We're called to be dead to sin. But the thing about it is, if we stay around it, it stinks. 
and it attracts the enemy. The best thing that we can do is jettison, get rid of, empty ourselves. I don't want anything over me that's going to attract enemy attention. I want that out of the way. Scripture reminds us that let's not give him a foothold. Let's make sure that we've cleaned out, cleared out, and we're cleansed. If God's bringing it to our thought life, then we need to move it into a place of words. Let's speak it out. This is what the Bible tells us. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. This is an issue that we get hung up on. But you know what? This should be normal and natural in our Christian walk. I'm willing to say, do you know what? I've messed up. Can you pray for me? I don't want to mess up again. I want somebody to stand with me. We claim to be without sin. We deceive ourselves. This is the deal. When we sit with others, when we stand with others, and we confess that we have fallen short, we're we're in good company. Because we all do it. If we claim that without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, this is beautiful, isn't it? He is, say that word, faithful. He's faithful and he's just. Forgive us our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. That's God's part, he'll do that. We start when we start to speak it out. What's to be spoken out? For some on their birth journey, they've never spoken out. What happens is sometimes we get to that point of, uh, of saying, oh, you know, confess, yeah, Lord, I've sinned, and, and yeah, I just forgive me for my sins, and then I ask you to be Lord of my life. This is a standard prayer that we follow through, leading somebody into a relationship with Jesus. But you know what? I think it's important to get specific. How do you sin? How have you sinned? What have you done that you know is wrong? Where do you need God's help? His cleansing. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Fourth thing is deed. Repentance is in our thoughts. It comes through to a point when we start to speak it out. And then, our deeds. This is what happens next. Words of repentance need to be followed by works of repentance. There's a change. This is what uh, we read in... Uh, oh, no, that's good. Ah, okay, I didn't put the other one. I'm going to go back a step. Luke 3.8. Produce fruit keeping with repentance. There should be something different about us. Because we are a repentant people, because we've come to God and sought his cleansing and renewing, then as a repentant people, the scriptures say, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Not the horrible fruit that comes from such a sour root. Zacchaeus, here's a story. Do you remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, he was a very small man. He was a tax collector. But he had an encounter with Jesus that not only changed his life, but it changed his actions to a point of where he was frugal and a money grabber, he becomes somebody who's generous. Not only does he give back, he gives back multiple times over. Something has happened in his life and he is showing that he has changed. He's a different person. There's a phrase, I don't know if you've ever heard this one. 
If you is what you was, then you ain't. Take that on board as being, am I a born again Christian? Well, look at my life. If I still is what I was, then I ain't. Do you know, that's uncomfortable, isn't it? Do you feel that? If you are what you were, then you're not. The scriptures say quite clearly that there will be a transformation. Things will happen. We'll do something differently. Let me tell you about Alex. I've been meeting with Alex on his journey of coming to Christ. I went round to his house to see him one morning. And uh, I was chatting to to Alex. And he was talking to me about nightmares. Um, The fact that he's troubled in his dreams. That he doesn't sleep very well. And he spends a lot of his time uh, up at night. And I said to him, I said, so what sort of, what, I never have trouble sleeping. I don't know if anybody has trouble sleeping. But I just confess, I don't have trouble sleeping. I I don't. I just, one of those things. But I asked Alex about, what does he do running up to? Because I think, well, you can quieten down, you can stop watching TV and and have a Horlicks and stuff. Just calm yourself and go to bed. Make sure you've got a comfortable bed. A uh, bit of ventilation, don't get all stuffy in there. Do you know what Alex said to me? He said, oh, I'll get through the night by watching horror movies. <laughs> I said, you what? He said, I'll get through by watching horror movies. He said, I've been collecting them for years. I said, can I see? I went up to his room. Shelves. Now, I love shelves of books, but this guy's got shelves and shelves and shelves of videos. Do you remember videos? And then we moved into DVDs, so he's got videos and DVDs, and some of the DVDs are multiples of the videos that he's got. Horror movies. Um, I said to him, do you know what? Jesus doesn't like horror movies for what it does to you. Because he loves you. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to rest and be refreshed. He doesn't want your mind filled with that junk. Do you know what? I ta- asked Jesus what he would like you to do with those horror movies. Two weeks later, Alex said he's sleeping. I said, what do you do about that? What, what do you do differently? I threw away my whole collection of horror movies. His mum spoke to me about it. She said, I had to go and buy extra black sacks. <laughs> now in one mind I would think to myself no I go to Music Magpie and I get you know 25p back on it but no that means somebody else is going to see it this is why I quite happily take literature from Jehovah's Witnesses because if they give me their magazine they ain't giving it to somebody who could in some way be affected by it I'll take it and I'll bless them and then I destroy it don't pass it on Listen, look at this this is what it says in the book of Acts this is quite cool A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. One drachma, one man's wages for one day's work. One man's wages for one day's work. 50,000 men pay for one day, the cost of those scrolls. Do you know, sometimes we need to take on board that repentance, turning away, is going to be costly. There will be a cost. There will be some stuff that you need to get rid of. 
Some of the reading material in your homes needs to be jettisoned. Bin it. Get rid of it. Some of the stuff that you have collected over the years, just like Alex, needs to find a, a place in a landfill site. For some people, repentance has not been fully walked out because the stuff is still there. I've been around to people's houses who've had all sorts of situations that they've tried to deal with and and I walk in and there's a Buddha doorstop. (coughs) Why would you have that in your house? Or other gods that are revered around the world in different religions. Why would you have them in your house? It's not good. And they carry a significance. They are part of the foothold that the enemy wants to work on. I told you the story of my St. Christopher, didn't I? What's all that about? Why am I trusting in this little bit of silver of a bloke carrying a baby across a river? It's not for me. I trust in Jesus that he's going to carry me through. As we're sitting here, and I'm speaking to you, in your mind, you're thinking of stuff. Because I know that's how I feel. And when I hear people speak, practical things. What is in my house, what is in my life, that actually might be an expensive thing that I need to get rid of to release me into the fullness of all that God has got for me? There's a beautiful story from J. John, the evangelist. I remember him doing a a series of tent meetings around the country. And on these tent meetings, he was putting up a marquee in the parks and he was teaching on the Ten Commandments over a, a, a week period. And I think he was doing two commandments a night. And then it got to the commandment, um, thou shalt not steal. And he went into practical ways of uh, the way that people steal, whether it be the sellotape or the biros from work, whether it be in time that you should have been doing something else when you didn't. But he did something really quite interesting. He said, we're going to have um, an amnesty. So tomorrow night when you come, I want you to bring with you the stuff that you've stolen. And we will have a collection. And then we'll pray for you. The first time he did that, he was shocked and surprised at the amount of stuff that turned up. TVs, video players, computers, pens, reams of paper. The stuff just stacked up and stacked up and stacked up. But this was an opportunity that people had to be able to come before God and say, I am sorry, I want this out of my life. I don't want this affecting me and my relationship with you. I've no idea what he did with the stuff, but... That wasn't the point. The point was that people acted differently when they were in a heart of repentance. Something changed. Not only in my thought life or my words, but also in my actions. That's what repentance is about. You're not who you were. You're now somebody different. Therefore, you're going to be different in everything that you do. Simple. This is how we're reminded in the book of Acts. Repent then. Repent. How are you doing on the repentance? 
Step one in our Christian midwifery course, repentance. You see, the thing about it is when we confess and we repent before God, what we leave behind is the junk that holds us back. We also leave behind the shame that very often these things that we've said, done and thought carry with. We leave that all at the foot of the cross and we walk in a place of freedom. Some people need a little bit of a helping hand afterwards. But that's what I'm called to do, is to help people on their journey in their relationship with Jesus. Some stuff may be so entwined and part of your life that getting rid of it is going to be a little bit different. Well, difficult. Well, that's when you get alongside brothers and sisters in Christ who will walk with you and help you to come to that place of knowing that you've repented, and as the scripture says, and turn to God so that your sins will be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come. This is what God wants to say to us. He says that all of this stuff is keeping you stale and stagnant. What I want for you is a time of refreshing and renewal and fullness. Just God is so for us. This is the scripture that I really wanted to talk about today. Which I really haven't got time to unpack. We're drawn to a place of repentance, not with a stick, but with a Father's loving arms welcoming us. We're brought to a place of repentance, as Paul writes to the Romans, because of God's kindness. (coughs) He's so kind towards you, so loving towards you. He doesn't want anything to hinder you walking in the fullness of who he's created you to be. So we need to repent. We need to allow that to sink into our heads. Come out of our mouths. Be effectual over our bodies and our responses. How are we doing on repentance? I spent this week when I'm sort of looking at this and starting to unpack the other steps of this journey. Uh, I found myself on my knees just before God saying quite clearly, there's some stuff here, Lord, that I haven't dealt with that I want to deal with with you right now. How are we doing? But this is step one. Come back next week for step two. Let's just close our eyes. Sit still where we are. Just sit still and close our eyes.